Hi there, my name is Tom, and I was just three years old when my mom left my dad. He was a major jerk, and she was so much happier without him. The only problem was that we were broke. My mom worked two jobs at once, but that wasn't enough for school, clothes, books, rent. The list was endless. I wanted to help my mom so badly that when I was six, I tried to get a job at McDonald's. All the adults laughed at my application form. It was filled out with crayon. I was so mad. I wanted to be a grown-up. When mom found out, she said, Tom, the best way to help me is by doing well at school. You don't need to get a job. Oh, you're so cute. From that day, I started paying really close attention at school. I worked hard at getting the best grades. And by the time I was 12, I was topping the district. That's how I got into the richest, snobbiest school in town. They found me and offered me a full scholarship if I transferred right away. I didn't want to leave my friends, but free school was too much to give up. So, I started going to the rich side of town. Everything was different here. The roads were cleaner, the houses were bigger, and the people were meaner. The meanest of them all was Blake. His father owned the school, and he did whatever he liked. My first day, they saw him push a kid off his bike for no reason. Hey, stop that! I rushed to help the kid up and told Blake to back off. You must be new. Do you have any idea who I am? A massive jerk? The people watching laughed, and Blake turned beet red. I'm your worst nightmare. He meant it. He tried to bully me every single day for four years. He called me names, stole my books, and spread false rumors about me. One day, he pulled the fire alarm and told the teacher I did it. Obviously, they believed him over me. I got a whole week of detention. I didn't have time for this mess. I had to study hard all day. And now that I was older, I helped my mom by doing a job at night. We were so poor compared to everyone at school, and I did my best to hide it. I lied to everyone when they asked me what my parents do. They sell computers. They're super rich. I made sure I got the best clothes from the donation boxes in town and checked them for any imperfections. One time, I missed a tear on my coat and Blake caught it right away. Torn clothes? How pathetic. Are you too poor to afford basic things? No one laughed with him. You see, other people in school really started to like me over the years. I was funny, friendly, and I didn't bully them. Blake hated this. To top it all off, I beat his grades every single time. The day the school was honoring its toppers, all hell broke loose. This loser cannot win first place! He's a cheater! Excuse me? I beat you fair and square! Blake ran over to me and tried to yank my medal off my neck. Give it to me! Give it! No! I shoved Blake away from me and he fell back. Everyone laughed and he began to yell loudly. Ah! Oh, he hurt me! I sprained my leg! Ah! Oh! He was good at putting on a show. The teachers dragged us to the principal's office, and I got the worst yelling of my life. I want him out of this school, Dad. Tom is our best student. We can't get rid of him. How dare you hit my son! Blake attacked me first! So what? You should never hit back. You hurt him. He's faking it! He just wants me to get into trouble! You're both in trouble. One whole week of detention, and you both have to show the new students around the school. Our school was huge, and new people had to have guides for their first week. I really didn't want to babysit with Blake, but I had no choice. We both met the new student the next day, and wow, she was stunning. She had the most beautiful brown eyes I've ever seen. The moment Blake saw her, he turned to me. You can go. I can help her alone. I won't tell the teachers. Away! You're a snake! Look, that's Lisa. I've known her since we were kids, and her dad is even richer than mine. I want to date her. So just go away! Obviously, I didn't go away. Instead, 
I raced up to Lisa first and gave her my best smile. I never really flirted with a girl before, but I gave it my best shot. Hi, I'm Tom. You're cute. Do you, uh, like tacos? Uh, yes. I love tacos. Would you like to eat some with me after school? Okay. Why not? You're pretty cute too. Blake literally jumped in between us. Lisa, remember me? Blake? Our dads are in the same country club. Kind of. Uh, do you want to go with me? Tonight? I'll take you somewhere fancy. Sorry, I'm getting tacos with Tom today. His expression was priceless. That's what he gets for messing with me. Lisa and I went out, and I had a surprisingly good time. She was so goofy and hilarious. Some of her jokes made me choke with laughter. Wow, I'm actually having fun. I'm glad I messed with Blake. What? Oh, Blake has a crush on you, and he's been kind of a jerk to me, so I asked you out first. What? I thought you thought I was cute. Uh-oh. I, I do think you're cute, but... But what? I'm just a pawn in your boy games? You just used me to mess with someone. You're a jerk. She threw her taco at me and ran away. I quickly paid the taco guy and chased after her, but she was gone. Dang it. Blake was turning me into a terrible person. I tried to apologize to Lisa the next day, but she wouldn't even look at me. I almost gave up until one day, when we ended up in the same elevator together. I acted on instinct. I pressed the stop button. What are you doing? I want to apologize, but you keep running away. Don't bother. I'm never going to go out with you again. I don't want you to go out with me. I'm just sorry. I act like a complete idiot, and you have every right to hate me. She looked shocked. Really? You mean that? Yes. I'm really sorry. I was so stupid. Agreed. You'll have to buy me, like, a hundred tacos to make up for it. Does that mean we can be friends? Yeah. Okay. I forgive you. Yes! All 100 tacos were worth it, because Lisa was amazing. She was kind, funny, and most importantly, she was a really good friend. She was always there to help her friends with their troubles, and I felt like I could tell her almost anything. Almost. One day, Lisa asked me what my parents did for a living, and I felt real fear. If she finds out I'm poor, she won't like me. I lied quickly, hoping this would go away. But one day, Lisa wanted to walk me home, and I was trapped. I had to take her to a random mansion and pretend it was mine. I went inside and hid in the bushes till she went away. If that wasn't crazy enough, one night, she walked into the restaurant where I worked. The moment I saw her, I ducked and hid under a table. The manager called for me like 10 times, but I just couldn't make myself get out. Why was I going so crazy over this girl? Suddenly, three pairs of legs joined me under the table. My manager had seated women there. I immediately crawled out of the table and all three women screamed sending their food flying all over the floor. My manager caught me by the collar and fired me on the spot. If I wasn't horrified enough, I turned to see Lisa staring at me with her mouth open. Oh no, I just ran home. By the time Lisa confronted me in school, I had a lie ready for her. I got that job so I could learn some responsibility. It's not good to just live off my parents. But why were you under the table? I dropped my phone. I was looking for it. Somehow, the lie worked, and Lisa gave me a big hug to comfort me. Phew, I was close. I was heading home from school that day when I felt someone pull me back. It was Blake. Why were you hugging Lisa at school? None of your business, moron. Didn't I tell you I like her? You better back off before I make you pay. Make me pay? <laughs> your dad can't kick me out of school. You have no power here. I stormed away from him with my head held high. 
Thinking I'd won this battle, I had no idea how far Blake would go for a shot at Lisa. She and I were having lunch in the cafeteria one day, when Blake came over with his gang. Hey Tom, your parents are rich, right? Yes. They sell computers. Hmm, then why are you wearing clothes that I threw in the garbage? I was in shock. Blake pulled out his phone and played a video for everyone. It was me, searching for clothes in the donation bins. We saw you hunting for clothes like a cheap beggar. We followed you, and you live in a tiny apartment on the bad side of town. Everyone around me was whispering. I couldn't even bear to look up at Lisa. My secret was finally out. So, what do your parents really do? Do they even have a job? Or are they pathetic like you? I couldn't take it anymore. I got off my feet and punched Blake right in the face in front of everyone. I just lost it. I'm reporting you to my dad. Everyone saw that, right? He punched me! I was suspended for two weeks after that, which was just fine with me. Felt like my life was over. I didn't want to go to school. I didn't want to study. And I didn't want to see anyone. I turned my phone off so none of my friends could reach me. I was locked in my room for a whole week until one day, there was a knock on my door. Lisa was here. She saw me in my tiny apartment. I was wearing old, faded hand-me-downs. What are you doing here? How did you find me? I can track people. Why didn't you answer my calls? I was worried. Maybe I'm embarrassed and I want to be alone. You shouldn't be embarrassed for being poor. You should be embarrassed for lying to me about it. Oh, I should have told you the truth. That my mom's a waitress and a janitor. That my dad abandoned us and we live like beggars. Which part makes you want to go out with me? She looked shell-shocked. Wait, you want to go out with me? I never said that. Just leave me alone. Lisa, I went into my room and slammed the door shut. I wanted to be anyone else except me right now. It got so much worse when I opened Instagram and saw pictures of Blake and Lisa together. I guess she found someone who can take care of her the way she deserved. I was in the worst mood of my life when I started school again. Lisa tried to talk to me a few times, but I just ran away from her. I thought I could just avoid her forever. Until one day, we ended up on the same elevator. Alone. She punched the stop button, and the elevator came to a halt. How long are you going to ignore me, Tom? You are driving me crazy! I don't want to talk to you about my lies. I don't want to hear about your dates with Blake. We're not dating, you idiot! I only clicked those selfies because he literally begged me. I like you. It took me a few seconds to get that. You like me? Are you blind? I've liked you since the first day we met. It doesn't matter. We can't be together, Lisa. I'm poorer than your gardeners. I have nothing to offer you. You have everything to offer me. You're a good friend. You're an amazing son. You're clever and you're handsome. I was speechless. Lisa grabbed my collar and gave me a full peck on the lips. Sometimes, I would look up the tall skyscrapers as I walked down the city streets begging for money. I used to live in one of those. I used to have a view of the ocean, a concierge, a doorman. I tipped my valet well, and he was a friend of the family. But that all feels like a lifetime ago. Now, I'm alone, penniless, washing car windows and begging strangers for change for a living. It all started when I met Chelsea at a charity gala. She was the prettiest girl in the room, and I was the richest one. Hi, I'm Drake. I just thought I'd introduce myself, seeing as we'll be married soon. Chelsea laughed at my cheesy line, 
but it worked. A year later, we got married at a cathedral in Spain. We flew our friends and family over. We had a ceremony filled with luxury. A whole orchestra, ten pairs of swans, white flowers bedecked the whole place. And yet, as soon as the wedding was over, all Chelsea did was complain. I mean, sure, Bali is Bali, but isn't it a bit uninspired for a honeymoon? Half the people here are Australians. I wish you'd have taken me to Switzerland or Cape Town. You're Drake Nathans for crying out loud. All of Hollywood is at your feet and you take me to Bali? She said this as she sipped on a $100 drink while lounging on a yacht next to a private tropical island. Chelsea's appetites were insatiable. She bought everything she fancied. Five years after our wedding, there were still clothes, bags, and necklaces that she bought with my money on our honeymoon that she hadn't even worn once. Chelsea quit her job the moment we got home and became a professional leech. All she did was attend celebrity parties and flirt with guys twice her age. She complained that I didn't give her a big enough allowance and didn't buy her expensive gifts. Meanwhile, she used my card to go on shopping sprees and to treat her girlfriends to lavish vacations. When she had our kids, the spending only got worse. She was never home, and I had to take care of the kids myself, even when I was filming. The kids loved it, though. But one day, I came home and Chelsea was gone. And so were the kids. My paintings, my statues, my cars, all gone. My safe was emptied and the bank account was drained. I heard she ran off with some young model she met at a party. And no matter how much I spent on private investigators, they couldn't find her. I wouldn't have minded being poor if I had my kids. But she took them and she didn't even care about them. Then she had someone deliver a message. She would only give my kids back if I sent her money. Lots of it. I sold what I could. I borrowed from the bank. But no matter how much I sent, my kids never appeared. I worked as much as I could, but the financial hole Chelsea left in me was too vast. And soon I was deep in debt. The banks took my house. They took everything that I had left. And I became a pauper. I had to live on the streets. It was tough at first. My friends tried to help, but Chelsea told everyone I was a bad father and that I did unspeakable stuff to her. Nobody believed me when I denied her lies. I was alone in the world. People who passed me by would recognize me and insult me. They would take photos and make memes about how low I sank. After a while, people moved on and the world forgot about Drake Nathans. The only way I could really make money was teaching self-defense in martial arts classes. It was at least one skill from my acting career that could make stable money. I was on my way to interview for a job when I saw a commotion break out. A girl wearing copious amounts of jewelry was running down the street, and three crooks were running after her. They cornered her in an alley, and I ran through traffic, dodged and jumped over cars just to get there in time. One of them already had the girl in his grasp. Eh, don't move. If you come any closer, she's a goner. You don't want to get tangled up in this, homeless guy. Run along. Here's a dollar. The guy tossed a bunch of coins at my face, but I caught one and threw it back straight at him. While they were all shocked, I swiped the first guy with my feet and he fell to the ground. I elbowed the other one in the gut and he doubled over. And then I ran at the wall and used that to jump behind the third guy. I grabbed his arm and put it behind his back. The girl was free. 
You're safe now, miss. Suddenly, ten guys in suits came rushing towards us. Two of them grabbed my arms and pushed me to the ground. Princess, are you alright? Princess? Shut up, you lowlife. Did these guys hurt you, princess? Hudson, call the cops. We'll need to investigate who's behind this. I... I'm sorry, but the guy you're holding down, he's not with them. He's the one that saved me. Suddenly, I was being helped up. The guys apologized, and the princess asked if there was anything she could do to thank me. That was when one of the guards recognized me. Holy, that's Drake Nathans. Dude. Drake Nathans? Who's that? The princess drove me to her mansion in the city, and she had someone bring me fresh clothes. She housed me in her guest house and fed me, and when I had rested, she summoned me to her room. She had spent the whole night watching all my movies. She listened to my story, and she pitied me. And so, as a reward for saving her, she made me her personal trainer and martial arts instructor. I taught her judo, and there were times where her face would come so close to mine and she would grab my arm to disarm me, and it made all the maids watching us blush. One time, she lost her balance, and her lips landed on my neck. I had goosebumps all over, and we both jumped back in embarrassment. Hands off her, you! I looked around and saw the princess's fiancé. Aren't you being too comfortable touching the princess like that? Oh, he didn't mean it. I... I fell. Nevertheless, a peasant shouldn't be touching a princess. You should make him wear gloves. You, servant, go fetch me some tea. The princess and I have something to discuss. But the princess's lessons are unimportant compared to the royal wedding. I was dismissed, and that night the princess came to me crying. She had no desire to marry Kirin, especially because when they were young, Kirin told her she was ugly. But now that she was going to be queen, he used his family's influence to get engaged to her. Nobody liked the guy. Even the guards would have hit him already if he wasn't a lord. He treated everyone as if he owned them. And I didn't want the princess to end up with a guy like that. But princess, I can't do anything about it. I'm not a princess. I'm just Kate when I'm with you. You make me happy. You're the one I want to marry. She took my face and kissed me. And for three long, infinite seconds, I felt heaven. It wasn't just in my head. She was in love with me too. See? You can do something about it. If you love me, take me with you. You have to take me out of here. I didn't want to put Kate's life in that position. But when I overheard Kieran confess that it was him who sent those thugs after Kate, everything changed. Kate's safety was at stake, and I did the one thing that I knew would protect her. We ran. And for months, Kieran's thugs hunted us. Kate and I sent coded messages back to the palace to tell everyone we were okay, and our guards gathered evidence for what Kieran did. One night, while we were in one of our hideouts, the stars were so beautiful that Kate and I decided to go for a walk on the beach. The waves were so tall, and the boats were camouflaged, so we didn't hear them approach. Suddenly, we were surrounded by Kieran's thugs. I fought them off one by one, but I was running out of steam. Kate began sobbing from hopelessness, and just when I couldn't fight anymore, a bright light shone on us from above. Soldiers rappelled down the beach, and one by one, Kieran's thugs were apprehended. Princess, I'm so glad we got here in time. We were saved. 
the palace couldn't prove that Kieran had had bad motives, and so they basically used us as bait. But it all worked out in the end, and Kieran was taken to prison. Our story became a spectacle. The whole world wanted to know our stories. Someone even made a movie out of it, starring me. Finally, I was back in Hollywood, and my stardom was restored. At the movie's premiere, I felt someone grab my arm. I was pulled back, and immediately guards surrounded us. I looked back and saw my ex-wife behind the barricades, and she had my kids. They were all grown up. We lost it all. Ran, ran out of money. I've been raising them on my own all this time. Please, please help me. Sir, do you know this woman? I looked her up and down and then I smiled. No, I don't know this woman. The Chelsea I knew would have never worn a dress with holes in them. She would have worn makeup and she would have had jewels everywhere. She might claim to be my wife, but she's not. Those are my kids, though. Let them in. Chelsea begged to be let in with our sons, but I just ignored her. I'm sorry. Take me back. We can be married again. I looked at her one last time. Marry you? When I have a princess as my fiance? Kate showed everyone the sapphire ring I gave her. And as the paparazzi cameras flashed all around us... We kissed. My dad is a successful businessman who constantly got in trouble for mistreating his employees. One time, his secretary, who was pregnant, asked him if she could go home early because she wasn't feeling well. My dad responded, No, you have to finish your work first. But sir, I think I'm going into labor. Your water didn't break yet, or... So go back to work or else you are fired. Well, a few hours later, the poor woman ended up giving birth inside my dad's office. And instead of being helpful, my dad kept yelling at her to not make such a mess or else the carpet would be ruined. Yes, my dad was lacking in empathy. And when the local newspaper heard about the incident, they wrote a front page newspaper article about it, publicly humiliating him and tarnishing his reputation. My dad could have simply apologized to his secretary that gave birth, but instead, he wanted to sue her for defamation because she had called him the most ruthless boss in the history of mankind inside that news article. Fortunately, my dad's lawyers convinced him that suing a mother who had just given birth would only further damage his public image. Instead, they advised him to donate money to some charity. My dad reluctantly agreed and chose to open a high school for underprivileged kids. That's where I come into play. I somehow persuaded my dad to let me take over the planning and administration of his new school. He was happy to see me be so passionate about the project. He probably thought it would prepare me to take over his business one day. Well, big mistake. Because my first decision was to turn it into an all-girls school. And I didn't care one bit if the girls came from underprivileged backgrounds or not. I just wanted them to be pretty. And to get as many school applications as possible, I let the school make all kinds of ridiculous promises. Like one teacher for every five students. And the offering of lots of sports activities like ballet classes and horse riding. LOL! I was way too lazy to hire a ballet teacher. And I certainly didn't buy any horses. But my marketing worked, and the school got over 2,000 applications. I went through all of them and checked every girl's Facebook account to see if they were pretty or not. Of course, I only chose the best-looking ones. To give you an idea how picky I was, I only accepted 1 in 10 girls. 
Anyway, the year was about to start, and I realized that I had forgotten to hire teachers. I ended up finding some at the last minute, but they were really bad. They all had been kicked out of their previous schools for either always being on sick leave, straight up stealing, or in one case, bullying one of her own students. But hiring bad teachers turned out to be a brilliant move on my part, because none of them cared whether I was running the school well or not. They all just wanted to collect their paychecks. In fact, two of the 10 teachers I hired only showed up for a single week. Afterward, they called in sick for the rest of the year. Meanwhile, I was 16 and put myself into 11th grade. The girls were surprised to have a boy in their class, but I told them I was only there for a few months to make sure my dad's school ran smoothly. Now, let me tell you something. Boys aren't the only ones whose hormones go crazy during puberty. Lots of girls were interested in me. No, let me correct myself. All girls were interested in me. I was the only guy around and got asked out on so many dates that I had to reject most girls. I simply didn't have the time to date them all. And a girl getting rejected by a guy only increases her desire for that man. That's why girls started promising me that I could do anything I wanted if I only went on a date with them. And while you probably think I was living the dream, I don't think that such an abundance of women was healthy for me. I had always looked up to my dad. Maybe he was a jerk, but he was also extremely hardworking and a high achiever. I wanted to be like him one day and not just end up as another spoiled rich kid. But ask yourself the following question. Would Bill Gates have had the discipline to build Microsoft if growing up he'd been surrounded by hundreds of pretty girls who all wanted him? Not a chance. And so instead of focusing on my studies, I was fully busy with girls. I often skipped classes and took my classmates Kendall and Rose into empty classrooms to hang out and make out. I had a key to every classroom after all. I pulled out a water bottle and said, let's play spin the bottle. Can you believe that in 10 spins, it didn't point at me once? It was infuriating, but at least Kendall came home with me after school, so I won't complain. What shocked me the most about staying at an all-girls school was how mean the popular girls were. Our teachers paid no attention to bullying, and in my art class, some girls always drew their sketches on the backs of other girls. They had to hold still for at least an hour, and it was extremely degrading. I once asked one of the girls that got bullied why she let the popular girls treat her like that, and she replied, because if I stand up for myself, they'll take me to the bathroom, take away my clothes, and make me walk home naked. I saw them do that to another girl. I felt sorry for her and invited her to my home. But once it got late, I told her, I want to sleep now. Please go home. Oh, but will we see each other again tomorrow? Um, no. So you don't want to be my boyfriend? I shook my head and she started crying. Oh my god, you took my V-card and you don't even want to date me? You stole it from me! At that point, I'd probably been intimate with a third of all girls at my school. Anyway, our school had no principal, which meant there was no supervision whatsoever and I could change anyone's grades on the report card. I only did that for myself and eight other girls who were my closest friends. But when I showed my fake report card full of A's and B's to my dad and he told me how proud he was, I felt a bit ashamed. Instead of studying hard for school, I was cutting corners and abusing my power to get laid with girls. I knew if I continued like this, I'd end up like Paris Hilton, another dumb rich kid who does nothing other than spending her daddy's money. So the following semester, I wanted to reinvent myself and decided to befriend Laura, who was the best student at our school. She was so diligent that she even read textbooks during recess. Hey, Laura, I said, want to study together with me for the next math exam? No, thank you. But teamwork is fun, isn't it? 
teamwork. Why don't you first tell me how to locate the local maxima of a function? Of course, I didn't know the answer to her question, so she continued. Us two working together wouldn't be teamwork. It would be me tutoring you for free. No thank you. Well, okay, then let me pay you to be my tutor. $50 an hour, is that enough? Apparently, $50 was a lot to Lara. She agreed, and we met at my house. I was so used to girls being into me that I immediately made advances towards her. What the hell? Get your hands off me. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, it won't happen again. The study session went well, but during a break, Lara complained to me that her math teacher expected way too much and that it was impossible to get an A in her class. I replied, well, do you know my dad owns the school? I have enough power to change your grades any way you want. Really? Yeah. Last semester, I polished the report cards of a couple of my friends. Kendall, for example, got an F in her English exam, but thanks to me, ended up getting an A on her report card. I was telling her all that to impress her. However, she got really mad and said, I'm working my ass off day and night to study, and you give away A's to a bunch of undeserving brats you've slept with? I didn't know what to respond, and Lara stormed out. I had a bad feeling, but I had no idea just how bad things were about to get. Laura contacted both the local authorities and several newspapers to tell them how I was the only boy at my dad's all-girls school, how I had slept with dozens of girls, and how I had abused my power to give some of my favorite girls good grades in return for… you know what. It turned into a huge scandal, and everyone blamed my dad for what I had done. He got so much negative press that the board of directors of his own company decided to fire him as the CEO. At first, my dad hated me for all the trouble I'd caused him. But now, without the job and without the stress that comes with being a CEO, he became a much more relaxed person and forgave me. He even said, I'm glad I no longer work 12 hours a day. I have all the money in the world, so why shouldn't I enjoy myself a little? Right now, my dad does nothing but play golf all day and have fun. And why not if it makes him happy? I'm Alvin. Like most days, I got off the school bus and walked two blocks to the kindergarten where my mom works. As usual, I stood waiting for her at the front of the building. On that day though, a man came from nowhere, grabbed my backpack, and ran away with it. Hey, that's my math homework you're stealing, I yelled after him. There's nothing of value to even steal! The man disappeared around the corner. Distraught, I slumped down and continued waiting for my mother. That's the price you pay for living here. Things like this happen all of the time. My mom finally got off work at 5 p.m. Someone stole my math homework while I was waiting for you, I told her. Just like me, she'd gotten used to it. You're lucky. Someone stole all four tires from a client's car today, she said laughing. <laughs> we continued chatting while walking to our fake home. You heard that right. I said fake. You'll figure out what I mean in a moment. You see, this old and rather dilapidated house goes with the rest of the neighborhood. After about 10 minutes, we made it to our fake home. My mom made herself a coffee as we waited for my dad until 6 p.m. After my dad came home from work, we spent another hour waiting impatiently. Then, we hurried around the house, closing the curtains so our neighbors wouldn't see us. From the moment the curtains closed every evening, We'd live as we truly are, like rich people. We went down to the basement of our fake home. My dad turned on the facial recognition system. We turned our faces to the hidden cameras. As soon as the system identified us, the secret door in our basement opened. The secret door revealed a 5.4 mile long tunnel. It's actually a subway line that belongs to my parents and me. 
We use this unique subway every night to reach our real home. After a short ride, we made it to our mansion. Our property is enclosed by 13 feet high walls. During the day, there are hundreds of people working here, maintaining the grounds. Maids, drivers, cooks, and gardeners. The staff leaves at 6.30 p.m. We arrive after they're gone, and it's only us at the mansion. We walked into the dining hall. We filled our plates with food from the buffet and sat down. The best chefs in the world cook a hundred different dishes every night. My dad asked, How was your day, son? Someone stole my backpack as I was waiting for mom. I had my math homework in that backpack. I need to do it all over again, I replied. Dad smiled. Bummer. I'm free tonight if you need help, he said. Dad, I hate hiding the fact that we're rich. Horrible things keep happening to us in that neighborhood, and they always will. Alvin, we talked about this so many times. We have to live this way. We have no choice but to adapt, he replied, frowning. Yes, we had talked about this many times, yet I still didn't understand why we had to hide that we were the wealthiest family in the world. My grandfather had won the biggest jackpot of all time from the lottery. On the way to claim his winnings, he and my grandmother got in a car accident. My grandmother died instantly. My grandfather fell ill in his grief. So, he hired a lawyer to get his affairs in order and found an investment advisor. I'm not going to touch this money. Invest with it as you like. I want my son to benefit from it in the future, he said. The advisor was very good at his job. He built hotels and shopping malls worldwide and bought shares in gold and diamonds and stakes in many successful companies. My grandfather's lottery winnings grew exponentially, reaching billions of dollars. When my grandfather died, my parents inherited all his wealth. For some reason, we have to hide it. We pretend to live in the lowest income neighborhood of our city. We can only enjoy the privileges of being wealthy when we're in the mansion. I've been putting up with this for years because my parents want me to, but I've had it. I want to live my best life 24 hours a day. It's my birthright. I thought about everything that night and came up with an idea. If I made sure my friends at school knew about how rich we were, they would definitely tell their friends and families. Word would spread like wildfire and all kinds of people would know about our fortune. Then my parents would have to concede that it was impossible to hide any longer, and we could start living the high life every day. I put my plan into motion the next day without hesitation. To start, I decided to tell two people, Nancy and Justin. I can't really say that I like them. I think they're super obnoxious, but they both were pretty popular in school and loved gossiping. Thanks to them, my family's secret would be out in no time. After lunch, I called both of them to the schoolyard and cut to the chase. I'm going to share my family's biggest secret with you. They were both stunned. I'm not kidding what I'm about to tell you, so you've got to trust me, I said. I had to muster up the courage to keep speaking. Nancy and Justin waited with anticipation. They both stared at me intensely. My family is the richest family in the world, and I'm the richest kid in the world, I said. My friends just stared at each other. Then they both burst out laughing. If I'm honest, that's the reaction I was expecting. You don't believe me, and you have every reason not to. I'm going to ask you to come with me. What I'm about to show you is sure to convince you, I said. You better find other people to mess around with, Justin groaned. Nancy was all in. Alvin looks dead serious, she said, and I'm curious about what's happening here. I couldn't take my friends to our fake home because I didn't know how to operate the facial recognition system. 
That being the case, I wouldn't be able to open the secret door. That's why I decided to take them to the mansion in broad daylight. It would be my first time entering my own house from the front door. But first, I had to convince the security detail posted outside. There was a gigantic iron door at the entrance and a security booth for the guards. Nancy and Justin stared in disbelief, first at the majestic door, then at the towering walls. One of the guards came out of the booth. Kids, this is private property. Please leave, he said. I told the guard, you don't know me, but I live here. I want to show our house to my friends, I said. I'm not in the mood for jokes, kid. Move along, please, he groaned. My room is on the third floor, I said, trying to convince him. There's a MacBook on my bed right now. I binge-watched Netflix until late last night. I can list off every show to prove it to you. Take us up there. Son, you're a fool if you think you can play me like that. I'll have to make a citizen's arrest for trespassing if you don't leave now, he responded. Justin turned to me. Alvin, I don't know if this is your idea of a prank, but I'm not getting in trouble because of some weird lie. This guy seems pretty serious. Let's get out of here before he puts us in a chokehold or something, he said. I decided to play my last card. I'm going to tell my father about this. If you don't want to lose your job, let us in. This is my house, I screamed. At the last second, the iron gate started opening. A luxury car with dark windows was leaving the property. It stopped where we stood. The black backseat window came down. The person inside looked out and asked, What seems to be the problem here? The security guard said, Sir, this kid says he lives here. The man looked at me condescendingly. You certainly do not live here. This is my private property, and I have two daughters, no son, he said. Let's go, he commanded the driver, rolling up his window. I just stood there, shocked. He's lying. This is our house, I murmured. Justin and Nancy looked at each other nervously. Nancy said, and to think I believed you, even for a second. Justin nodded. Called it. They turned around and started walking back. I was sure that everyone at school would find out about what happened. This mansion was my home. Who was that man? Knowing it was useless to insist, I went back to my family's run-down fake house. When I walked into the house, I saw my parents waiting impatiently for me. They both looked upset. Obviously, they knew what had happened. My mom said, Alvin, we watched you and your friends on the security camera. What you did was incredibly reckless. I had tears pouring down my face. You're right, mom. I'm so sorry. But who was that man? Don't we own the mansion? I asked. My dad said, Of course we do. That man is a professional actor. Staff at the mansion think he owns the house. It's another precaution we had to take so that no one would suspect what's going on. Dad, why do we have to take so many precautions? Why are we hiding our real selves from the world? I really want to know, I pleaded. My dad looked at my mom, who nodded at him before turning to me. We hid some things from you to protect you. We knew we'd have to tell you one day, but we were worried about your mental health, Dad said, pausing. He looked back at my mom again. She nodded for him to go on. Then she started crying softly. My dad took a deep breath and began to explain. We used to be the family you always wanted us to be. You weren't born yet. We had a daughter named Betty. Everyone knew how rich we were, which made our lives incredibly difficult. We used to go everywhere with an army of guards. We all had to wear bulletproof vests. Then something awful happened. Someone managed to kidnap your sister. They demanded we give them a hundred million dollars as ransom. We said yes, of course, but they never released her, even though we gave them the money. The police were sure it was because Betty had seen their faces. 
This was a massive trauma for us. After that, your mom and I made a decision. We moved to the inner city and set up this life to hide our wealth. We lost our daughter. We couldn't protect her. We don't want to lose our son too. Alvin, all this is for you. This is the only way to live a quiet life away from danger. Now I knew everything. I hugged my dad. My mom got up and joined us. We all cried for Betty for a while. I'm really sorry about today. I didn't know you were trying to protect me. I will be careful from now on, I said. From that day on, I made mom and dad a promise to live humbly during the day and never tell anyone again.